0: Good morning, if you'd like to go ahead and take your Bibles out and open them up to the book of Mark, to the book of Mark, you will uh, maybe notice that we've had just a little bit of a technical difficulty to, uh, this morning, thanks to the, the power outage uh, last night. I know not all of us were affected by that. Uh, you know, power went out for a small time at our house, and it was out for a little while here at the building as well, and due to that, we've had a, a few issues getting started But I think we are good now. So if you're opening your Bibles up to Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 4, we'll be looking at in just a moment. Uh, as you do so, I'd like to, to thank you for your patience as we have kind of gathered ourselves together here. I uh, had several, uh, several things that have had to change very abruptly before services began to, to, to get started this, this morning. But we're thankful for you being here, thankful for you choosing to worship with us today, Uh, to to be here to remember, as we have done already, the death of our Savior, uh, and to hear from His Word. And that's one thing that I really wanted to focus on and talk about this morning, is that idea of hearing. In fact, that's what we're going to be looking at in Mark chapter 4, a phrase which he says and that we will hear often throughout the ministry of Jesus. Uh, He would oftentimes conclude a lesson by crying out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. In Matthew chapter eleven, verse fifteen, as he talks about John the Baptist, he cries out, "He who has ears to hear, let him hear." As we talked about Wednesday night uh, with the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter thirteen, and verse nine, he ends that parable with, "He who has ears to hear, let him hear." Even in Matthew chapter thirteen, and verse forty-three, as he is given the parable of the wheat and the tares, uh, and he is explaining that parable, at the end of that explanation, he again gives this phrase, "He who has ears to hear." Let him hear. In fact, in his letter to the churches of Asia, Jesus concludes each and every one of his letters to the seven churches. Seven times we will hear a phrase of these words or something very similar He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. My question this morning, in looking at this, is what is the point of this saying? And I believe it is very close to saying what, I'm, what I've just said is very important. So you had better listen. You had better pay attention to what I just said. In fact, in Mark chapter four, in Mark chapter four, and verses twenty-three through twenty-five, after giving them, after answering the question when they ask, "Why are you teaching in these parables? Why do you keep talking in these parables?" Uh, he gives them this explanation of, of, of why he gives them uh, is using these parables uh, to to teach them. He then says in verse twenty-four. And he was saying to them, Take care. Actually, I'm sorry. Let's jump back to 23. It says, If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And then he said to them, Take care what you listen to. Take care what you listen to. By your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. And more will be given, to you, given you besides. For whoever has, to him more shall be given. Whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Now, this is not, as maybe some would like to attribute it, uh, excuse for, for a modern-day Robin Hood. This isn't to go rob the, the, uh, the, the rich and give to, to others. This isn't to, to now obviously it doesn't quite fit that, that parallel, but this is not the idea of taking from those who don't have and giving to those who have more. Because it's in context of listening. He says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Take care of what you listen to. What we see Jesus telling his disciples here is you need to pay very close attention to my words. Take care of those words. Understand them very well Uh, would be another way to suitably put this, this saying. If you place a great importance or a great measure on understanding, then guess what? You will receive a great measure of understanding. And that's not rocket scientists. I'm sure we all knew that kid in school. That kid in school who, who didn't study, didn't prepare, didn't pay attention in class, maybe maybe slept through the class or, or I don't know, through spit wads or, or did something. If you didn't know them, I was that kid. I was the one that wasn't paying attention. And then when it came time for the test, they went, Now, Kyle, why aren't you doing good in, in class? Why don't you know this? We talked about this. And I'm saying, I don't remember us talking about that. We did? I don't remember us having this conversation. We need... We need to see that Jesus is telling them, if you, will, if you will take care of my words, if you put great emphasis on understanding, then you will, great get, you will receive understanding. And then he goes on to say in verse, in verse 25, to those who have more, more shall be given. But to those who have less, what they have will be taken away. We can, we can understand that in light of what he's talking about here with this desire for understanding. For those who have a desire for understanding, they will receive more and more understanding. They are seeking it out. They want it. But for those who don't have that desire, they won't even remember what they know. They're, they're, it's, it's, going, it's that idea of use it or lose it mentality of what Jesus is telling them. Pay close attention. And you know what this illustrates? This illustrates a problem that was going on in Jesus' day. It illustrates a problem that Jesus faced that we still suffer today. Many people simply weren't listening. I and mean, many people today simply don't listen or don't listen so as to understand. They don't take care of what they listen to. And I am convinced that many today don't appreciate the importance of listening well. It concerned Jesus, so I believe it's appropriate to ask Do you have ears to hear? And it might be profitable to begin by pointing out that the Bible talks about different types of listeners. Different types of ears that that are described in the Bible. The first one that I want to look at is over in Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 11 describes those who are dull of hearing. Hebrews 5 verse 11 concerning him... Talking about Melchizedek and the relationship of Christ and Melchizedek. Concerning him, we have much to say. And it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Note that when a person had this problem, it is hard for others to explain things to them. And the fault is not with the subject material. It's not because the subject material is just so, so vast and so hard to understand. And it's also not the fault of the presenter that they 're not adequate to do it. the fault was placed in Hebrews chapter five on the listener. your ears are dull of hearing. Isaiah wrote a very similar thing of the people in his day, and Jesus took what Isaiah wrote and applied it to the people of his day, Matthew chapter thirteen in verses thirteen through fifteen He says, therefore I speak to them in parables again we 're looking at this explanation now, not in Mark but now in Matthew. I speak to them in parables, because while seeing, they do not see. And while hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, You will keep on hearing, but you will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and return, and I Would heal them. People are this way because they are dull of heart. People are dull of hearing because their their hearts are what is what has been what has been dulled, what has been blunted. And this prevents them from understanding God's truth. It prevents them from turning from sin and turning to God, and it prevents them, as Jesus pointed out at the end of verse 15, it prevents them from being healed. It prevents them from being saved by God. Now, would you want to be this type of listener? Well, of course not. Of course not. Who would want to be a listener that is described as dull of hearing? Who would want to be a listener that has set themselves up for failure? Who will not be able to to be healed? Who will not see? Who will not understand? Who will not turn? No one would want to be that type of listener. But there are that type today. That could have possibly described some of us today. We need to look at these things and consider. Am I dull of hearing? Another one we want to consider that is brought up in 2 Timothy chapter 4. We understand, uh, probably have this passage memorized. We we read it at the end of every one of our gospel, uh, gospel meetings. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 3. Paul writes to Timothy, he says, For the time will come when they not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears. Tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, and will turn away their hearts from the truth and will turn aside to myths, or maybe your translation says to fables. <clears throat> Those with itching ears, as Paul describes them here in 2 Timothy 4. Such people listen to only that which is pleasing to them. So they don't like sound doctrine as he spoke about in the beginning of verse, of verse 3. Sound doctrine is not what they're looking for. And sound often requires the type of preaching that is talked about in verse 2. Look at what it says in verse 2, that they will preach the Word. They will preach God's truth. They will preach the standard, not the feelings of the preacher, not the emotions, not the things that the, the listeners want to hear, but the Word. And they will preach it when it's in season. And when it's out of season, when it's popular, and when it's unpopular, when it's not the right thing to say in the eyes of the world around them, but they know it's the right thing to say for what the world needs, they will reprove. They will correct them. They will point out their errors, their sins. They will rebuke. They will warn them of the consequences of their sin, and then they will exhort them, encourage them, not just to, to, it's going to be okay, you just keep doing what you're doing, no, you've we've, we've been warned, you've been, you've been corrected, now I encourage you to turn to God and to, to know the great encouragement that comes from Him. And then how do they do that? With great patience and instruction. Not just one time, but over and over and over again, as many times as it takes, continuing to make that case. But people don't want that kind of preaching. They want someone who's maybe going to excite them, someone who's going to be full of theatrics and, and pomp and flash. And I, I was asked one time, what kind of preacher are you? I said, well, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not answer that question. I'm not, I'm not fully prepared to answer that question. What do you mean? Well, do you, do you like to get up there and put on a show? And I said, no, no, if you're, I, I can't do that. I'm not, I'm not very good at that. I'm not going to put on a show. That's the kind of preaching that people oftentimes want. They want someone that's going to hold their attention, someone that's going to to say things that just, oh man, I could could listen to that guy talk all day because he's just an excellent speaker or he's going to say things that just makes me feel really good. That's what I'm looking for. And you know what? They're going to find that. This verse tells us that. I will find someone, if that's what I'm looking, if I have itching ears, I will find someone to scratch that itch. But the truth is, the fact is they will turn away from the truth to follow myths, to follow fables, to follow stories, because that's really what they're looking for. And the world is full today with many afflicted with this type of hearing problem. We need to, again, ask ourselves, "Well, how about us? What about me? These are two types of listeners. But let's consider the third type that's talked about, and that is those with an honest and a good heart. Look over in Luke chapter 8. In Luke chapter 8, in verse 15, again, we're going to be leaning a lot on the, on the parable of the sower today. Luke chapter 8, verse 15, the third account of this, of this parable, it says here, "...the seed in the good soil," as he gives an explanation of this parable, "...the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance." No, as I said, we're going to spend a lot of time. Uh, you, if you want to, you can kind of mark these these parts in in, in Matthew and Mark and Luke on the parable of the sower, because we're going to be flipping back to them several times. Uh, and and it's uncanny how oftentimes, especially me me and Alan, we we he preaches something on Wednesday night, and it's I'm going, man, he's walking on my sermon Sunday morning. But I like that because Alan made a lot of great points on Wednesday night. Uh, about this, and there's so much that I can't cover, but so much that lends to this idea so well. But what we see here, what we see in the parable of the sower, was that those seeds that fell on the good ground, they fell on hearts, they fell on, on, and we've already seen how the dull of hearing is linked to the heart. These people were not dull of hearing, they weren't dull of heart, they had hearts that were good, and hearts that were honest, or noble. And maybe we've heard of that before, that that noble-mindedness, no, uh, noble hearts, noble hearing. We think of Acts chapter 17. We think of the Bereans. Acts chapter 17 and verse 11. Let's, let's start in verse 10. The brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went to the synagogue of the Jews. Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Have you ever thought about this? The fact that they had apostles, they had men who had walked with Christ. They had men who had performed miracles. They had men who had seen Christ uh, as, as Paul had seen him on the road. And here he came proclaiming the truth of Christ. And they said, Yo, hold up, hold up. We need to examine what you just said. We need to think about that for a minute. We hear what you're saying, but we, it's not just enough for those words to come into our, our ears and to re, you know, resonate within our minds. But we need to take what is resonating in there and we need to apply it to what we know is true. And we need to see if there's any differences. The Bereans were fair-minded, as the New King James Version says it. They were willing to give Paul a fair hearing. And by fair hearing, that means they listened to him attentively and they, apply, and, and they searched the Scripture to, to weigh what he had said. And that shows how they received, how they listened to the Word. They listened to it with all readiness, This is the kind of listener that we need to be. We need to be listeners of an honest and good heart. But why? Why is that so important? Does that really matter how we... we, I understand that there's these three types of listeners that are given in the Scriptures. I I get what you're saying, Kyle, but does it really matter how I listen today? As long as I I hear what you have to say, does it really matter? Well, I want to suggest that it does. And I want to suggest there are some importance. To, to being a good listener. And one is what we already saw back in Matthew chapter 13. In Matthew chapter 13, when Jesus talked about that prophecy of Isaiah, and he warned what would happen because they did not listen, because they had ears that, are, that were hard or dull. He said at the end of verse 15, that if they had ears that, were, that would hear and, and, and they would understand, their hearts would return and I would heal them. Going on in verse 16, he says, But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Many things. Many things by, by which great people talked about and knew about to an extent. You think of, of David. You think of David and what he knew and what he talked about as you read the Psalms and his his understanding of God. He placed God in a a very holy place and he magnified him and threw out the Psalms over and over again and he looked forward to the coming of his Lord. But yet he did not see it. He did not know it. And he desired to know it. He desired to see it. He desired to hear the words of Christ. But yet he did not or Daniel, or Isaiah, or Ezekiel, or any of the prophets that looked to the coming of Christ. But yet they did not have the coming of Christ in their lifetime. They did not have the words of Christ spoken to them in their lifetimes. But they looked to those things. Think about that and think about what we have. The opportunities which we have to learn. Even as Jesus talked about uh, John the Baptist We mentioned him back at the beginning in Matthew chapter 11 when he talked about John the Baptist and and about how he was the the greatest of men who had walked on the earth. But those in the kingdom, even the least of them would be greater than him. John the Baptist longed to hear and see what Jesus came to, to, to establish. But he, even he, this great man, this great preacher, this great, great human being, did not, did not live to see it. Died before the, 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 the full uh, completion of the plan of Christ coming to this earth. And yet we have that. We have that recorded for us. We have that so that we might hear the words and listen to these things that are taught within it. What's taught within it? Turn over to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us a little bit about what it was they strove for to know and to understand and yet and yet they were not able to receive because of because they they were not alive they they died before this but Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ how many people prophesied about the coming of Christ how many people prophesied about his blessings they believed it They looked forward to it, but they never saw it. But we have it. Every spiritual blessing in Christ, we miss out on these blessings. We miss out on the things they looked for, the things they hoped for, the things they wanted to see. We have, but miss out if we don't carefully listen, if we don't take care to how we listen. Importance of good listening is essential to being blessed. Importance of good listening is essential to a saving faith. Turn over to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 verses 16 through 17. God has has ordained that we be saved through faith in Christ. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of, is, of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, But the righteous man shall live by faith. This faith that we're talking about here, this faith that has the power to save us, is a faith that comes through the proclamation of the gospel. And oftentimes, oftentimes that comes through listening, listening to a preacher. And I am, I'm certainly uh, certainly talking about what is going on this morning. This is certainly would, would apply to this passage that we we're about to read in Romans chapter 10. But we need to know that anytime the gospel is proclaimed to our friends as we, as, as we go to, to and from work and maybe we walk around town and we knock on doors, or we, we meet people along the way and we spend some time talking with them about the good news of Jesus, We are preaching. And so this word that we're going to talk about, this this look at the preacher, that applies to each and every one of us. Each and every one of us in this room. Romans chapter 10, verse 14 says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? Verse 17, a passage we all know. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. That faith that is essential to salvation. That faith that is going to prompt us to move, to turn, as we talked about this morning, away from sin. To turn to God, to repent. That faith comes by good listening. Good listening. While one can certainly gain faith through just simply reading God's Word. In fact, that's the purpose of it. John chapter 20, verses 30 through 31, Jesus, it is recorded for us that the things that Jesus did, these signs, these miracles and wonders, they were recorded so that we would read about them. So they would have this, this book, we would have this, this document to know what He had done and so that we might believe. Certainly that is possible, but the fact remains that many, many in Jesus' day, many in our day depend upon someone else to first proclaim that good news to them that they might hear. And one reason faith is often lacking in people is because, simply put, they are not good listeners. They miss out on the evidences in God's word, the things that produce faith in our lives. So we might ask ourselves this question: Does our listening hinder the development of our faith? Listening is essential to having that great, strong, saving, living faith. Essential also, a good listening is essential to bearing fruit, like in the parable of the sower. The only kind of soil, or the heart that we're talking about in that parable, capable of bearing fruit was the one which listened properly. Over Luke chapter eight and verse fifteen. Luke 8, 15 says, But the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. That is because bearing fruit comes from understanding. Understanding comes from hearing and listening. In in, in Colossians chapter 1, listen to what Paul writes to the Colossians. To those of Colossae and, and and the area around there, also to the church in Laodicea, uh, he, he writes to these to these churches and he tells them in verse 6, in, in chapter 1, verse 6, as he talks to them about he prays for them daily and these are some of the things that he's praying about, but he, he makes this point about them in verse 6, uh, uh, talking about the gospel which has come to you just as in all the world. Also, it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing. The gospel is bearing fruit and increasing in them. Why? Even as it's been doing in you also since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. They heard the gospel. That is just the good news. They heard the message of Jesus, of, of, of his redemption for man, of the, the sinful place that man was. They understood that message and it did something to them. It produced a change in them, they produced or bore fruit. The gospel was bearing fruit in the Colossians, but that was because they had heard, because they had understood the grace of God and truth. Only by listening well, only by being good listeners, not listeners that have itching ears, not listeners who are dull of heart, but listeners who have a good and noble and honest heart, can the gospel, can God's grace motivate us to bear fruit to his glory? Now we want to ask ourselves, am I a good listener? Here's, here's three ways right here off the bat that we can test ourselves. Am I a good listener? Am I, am I, receiving, am I, am I truly receiving the blessings that we read about? Not, not the blessings that, that the, the world might preach about. We're not talking about the health and, and wellness gospel here, but the blessings of Christ, that peace and that joy that comes through knowing that I am saved, that I have been redeemed. Am I receiving the blessings? Do I have a faith that is is moving me to do things? Do I have a a faith that is moving me to obey Him? Am I bearing fruit? Can you see the fruit of the Spirit being produced in me? These are three things we can check off on ourselves, and I'm not talking about a checklist, but I'm saying these are things that I can look at myself and go, oh, you know what? If I'm not bearing fruit, if I'm, not, if, I, if I'm not truly following after, if I don't have a very strong faith, or if I'm am not receiving these blessings, if I'm just constantly wrapped up in despair and, and there's no joy in my life and there's no peace in my life, well, maybe I haven't been listening. Maybe I haven't really been listening to the words of Jesus. But we also need to see something else that is very essential to good listening. We need to see that, essential, that that good listening is actually preventative care for Christ or for Christians and for the church. Because it is essential to preventing apostasy. Turn over to Hebrews chapter two. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter two and verse one, <clears throat> excuse me, verse one through three says, For this reason we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation after it was at the first spoken through the Lord? It was confirmed to us by those who heard. There is a very real danger of drifting away. There's a very real danger of neglecting the Word of God, the salvation which comes through Christ, and falling into apostasy. Apostasy was, was, is simply the, the turning away from truth for the lie. We read about that over in Thessalonians. It is turning away from the truth for the lie. The church apostatized in the first century when they began taking what was truth. When, when, when they, they had instruction for, for bishops, the, that, that is to say elders or, or shepherds or overseers, they had instructions for what that was to be and started changing it, started changing the truth to meet what they wanted. Well, we'll have, we'll have one bishop, one elder, who will oversee a bunch of other elders over a bunch of different churches, and eventually you have what becomes from all that the Roman Catholic Church and the Pope. And all of that started... That that is so far away from what we read about in the scriptures, so far away from truth, but it started with one small decision. Everything in the scriptures talks about a plurality of elders over a single congregation. But we're going to change that. And the the problem was not there was a greater need in that first century than what God had anticipated. The problem was not, oh, God, you said to do this, but that won't work. No, the problem was we didn't listen. We were not good listeners in the first century. And therefore, we had an itching ear. We were dull of heart. We saw things that we needed to try and go and, and accomplish on our own, and we went to try and accomplish them. And the church began to apostatize, began to turn away from the truth. And the Hebrew writer talks about this. In chapter 2, the Hebrew writer says, What? Pay much closer attention. How did Jesus use that? Same phrase. He said, take care to how you listen so that we do not drift away. That is the only solution to apostasy. There's no, no other solution to, to turning from the truth. There's no some sort of, of secret magical way in which we can make sure that the truth is always in front of us. The answer to making sure that we don't turn away from the truth is to listen to the truth, to know it. That's how they teach. Uh, and I might have to speak to Holly's mom. She'd probably know more about this than, than, than anybody else. But tellers, whenever they, they train tellers, to, to, you need to be able to tell the counterfeit, the fake, from the real. They don't go through all of the counterfeit bills. There's uh, probably a billion that, that people have made, and oh, see this one. This is this one's wrong, and this is where this one's wrong. No, they give them the real bill. This is a true <coughs> one dollar bill, five dollar bill. This is a real thing. Learn it, know it, study it, because when the fake comes in, you'll say, "Oh, huh, that's not like the real one. That one's not real. That one's fake." The same is true for good listening. We have the truth. We have the real. Learn it. Know it. Hear it. And listen to it. Because when something that is, that is not of it, when something not true comes your way, you will be better prepared to prevent apostasy to turn away from drifting. And another important thing to know about good listening is that it is actually essential to avoiding rejection. I think that's something we don't think about a whole lot. but in Matthew chapter 10, uh, we, we, we know, we learn there, that if we do not listen as we should, if we do not listen in the way that is described as, as good and honest, and Matthew chapter 10 tells us that those who teach God's word, they have a right, they have a right to reject us. Matthew 10 verses 14 through 15. Matthew ten fourteen says, whoever does not receive you nor heed your words as you go out of that house or out of that city, shake the dust off your feet. Truly I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. That is an amazing word picture that Jesus just painted there because we know what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. And Jesus is saying it would be better for them, it would be better for fire and brimstone to rain down upon you to destroy everyone in the city than for the city not to listen to the disciples, to those preaching the good news. If we are poor listeners, if we are dull of hearing, if we have itchy ears, if we refuse to listen to the the truth, Jesus says, shake the dust off your feet. Now, the Jewish rabbis, they used to talk about this. They used to teach that the dust of the the heathen cities, if you were to walk into the heathen cities, if you were to go to Samaria, the dust in Samaria was a defilement to you. When you left that city, you shake the dust off your feet. That is is just disgusting that you had that dust on your feet. Jesus takes that, which was common in that day, and he says, you know what's really bad? And certainly this would have applied directly to the Pharisees who had rejected, who had, who had come time and time again, denied the, the truth that Jesus was teaching. He says, it's not the dust of the Gentiles. It's the dust of those that refuse to hear me. It's the dust of those that refuse to listen to my truth. So shake it off and move on. You move on to those who will listen, to those who will hear. And this isn't just something that Jesus taught. It didn't watch something Jesus mentioned one time in the Bible and we never see it again. If we look over in Acts chapter 13, we see this exact thing being played out. Acts chapter 13, when Paul and Barnabas are are, are preaching. Acts chapter 13, starting in verse 44, says, The next Sabbath, nearly the whole city, the whole city assembled to hear the words of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began contradicting the things spoken by Paul. They weren't good listeners. They were, in fact, saying the exact opposite things that he was saying. They were saying things to contradict him. And they were blaspheming, as it goes on to say. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first, since you repudiated and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, I have placed you as a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the end of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. You see the huge difference here? The rabbi said it's the Gentiles. It's the dirt of the Gentile city that defiles you. shake that dust off. And Jesus said, Jesus was teaching, was no, it's those who won't hear you. That's the dust you shake off. Then we get over here to Acts chapter 13 and we have the Jews who would not hear the truth, who would would repudiate it, who, who contradicted it, who blasphemed. But yet it was the Gentiles who listened. The Gentiles who had the good heart, who rejoiced and glorified God because of the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was being spread through the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of prominence and the leading men of the city and, investi- excuse me, and instigated a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. And what does 51 say? But they shook off the dust of their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. They said, you're not going to listen to us? That's fine. That's fine because we have more important things to do than try to force you to listen. We'll go to somewhere else where they will, will listen. They were rejected because of this. And in this, not only do we see Paul and Barnabas rejecting these men and women, but we see the, the, the horrible truth to not listening to sound teaching. We see the result of that. And that is poor listening judges ourselves as unworthy of eternal life. Did you notice that? Back over in forty six, Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said it was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first, since you repudiated it. And judge yourselves. I'm told all the time by the world, judge not, but we can judge ourselves unworthy of eternal life simply by not being good listeners. Poor listening has a huge, huge weight tied to it. If we reject the gospel, if we reject God's truth, perhaps by poor listening, perhaps by not, by not having a good, honest heart of hearing his word, then you know what, what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12? Let's turn over there for a moment. Matthew 12, verse 41 and 42, he said that the men of the south, or excuse me, the queen of the south and that the, the men of Nineveh They would be our judge. Matthew 12, verse 41, he says, The men of Nineveh will stand up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And then behold, something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Now you think about that. The men of Nineveh repented after hearing just, just one lesson. From, from a speaker that was not, that was not the most apt to deliver a powerful, moving sermon. You think about people that, oh, it's gotta be, you, you, you gotta have flash, and you got you gotta be a good speaker to tell the truth to the world. Jonah didn't want to tell the truth. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. He wanted those people to die because they were terrible people. God said, "No, you take this message to them so much so that he had, to, he had to get a fish to swallow Jonah to get that message through to him. You're going to say this to these people." And so what kind of message do you think Jonah brought to the Ninevites? You think it was one where he jumped up and down and got their attention, and look at me, I really want everyone in this city to be saved. But yet, yet Jonah brought a message, and the people of Nineveh listened. They listened, and and at least for a time, that generation was saved. Or what about the Queen of the South? When she came great lengths, she came great lengths and at a great cost. She brought much just to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and we have the wisdom of Jesus, the wisdom of God. Will we not go even a short distance? Will we not give up much? To hear God's word proclaimed, rejection and condemnation then is not limited to just coming from from those uh, who who present the truth, those who who preach the word. What we see then is rejection, condemnation will come from God too. It's as if he's saying you had my word and you had ears. Why didn't you hear? hopefully we can appreciate the wonderful opportunities we have to be able to listen to God's Word and the importance of good listening. But how then can we improve on our ability? Maybe we sit here today, we realize, I, 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 you know what, I, I do need to listen better. There are things that I need to do to, to make sure that I am more attentive to God's Word and more focused on, on responding to it. And you know, just as speakers need to learn to speak so as to be understood, that is important. People need to learn to listen so as to understand and so just, just to wrap this lesson up, let's look at a few steps to better listening. And the first one that I want to look at is this one here. Let's make listening an act of worship. Sometimes we get the idea that our acts of worship are, well, singing, we do that. And then praying, yeah, we do that together. Lord's Supper, that's certainly an act of our worship. Well, the preacher gets up there and preaches while we, you know, we just kind of sit here. Well, the way that we listen, the way that we engage with God's Word can also be an act of worship for us. We should make that an act of worship for us. Remembering what that word means, worship. It literally means worth Showing God's word that it is worth enough for me to pay attention to it. It is an indication of my devotion to God, just as it is in the way that I pray, in the way that I sing. So when we have opportunity to listen, do we do it with a worshipful attitude? Think of how, maybe if there was some great person up, I don't know if, if, if Donald Trump came in these doors, and don't get me wrong, I'm, I don't think Donald Trump is a great person, but someone that represents greatness to, to a majority of, uh, uh, of the, the world, they come in and they have something to say, you're probably going to listen to everything they say. You're probably going to really listen closely to their words. Maybe some famous person, I'm going to listen to what that person has to say. Now, I, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to put myself up on a pedestal because I understand that that is not the case. But what I want to do point is this. God's word is worth so much more than the words of of Donald Trump, the words of some celebrity, the words of me, the words of anybody. Doesn't his word deserve our undivided attention? It can receive that if we make listening an act of worship. We also need to listen from the first to the last. Pay attention all the way through. Uh, maybe we, we you know, get this idea for a minute of, of taking a book, and uh, I had a friend that used to do this. He, he would skim. I'm just going to skim through the book. I read a page here, read a page there. What was the book about? Oh, I could, it was about this, and it wouldn't be anything about what the book was about. He had a few key notes, and so that was it. We can't learn what a, a book has to say by just reading a sentence or a page here and there, just like we can't know the truth of God's message by just reading the New Testament. There's no book that we have that you can read the last third of it and go, huh, okay, I've got the full picture. No, we need to know the, from the first to the last. And the same thing is true whenever God's word is presented. We need to listen Sentences, phrases, words, they need to be understood and heard in light of the context in which they were used or presented. Uh, you, you may know, and, and certainly that I believe this is true, one of the most frustrating things to, to a preacher, uh, and I had the opportunity to ask a couple of friends who preach about this, and, and they all agreed, it's very frustrating when someone hears just one part of the sermon, one part of, of what is being presented, and immediately they think, you know what, I know what this guy has to say. Uh, it's time to turn my ears off. I've heard this one before. I don't need to hear it again or Oh, you know what? I don't agree with that. It's time for me to start preparing my rebuttal I'm gonna meet him at the back of the door and tell him how he was wrong In fact, I remember hearing not too long ago about a sermon preached and at the end of the service The man came up to the preacher and he stood there and to show him why he completely disagreed with a certain point That the preacher had made and well wouldn't you know that right after the preacher had made that point he made every one of the, this guy's arguments right after it, uh, showing that he was, he was contradicting. He, he was not, not showing this to be a truth. The guy didn't hear any of that. He didn't hear any of that at all, because as soon as he heard this, he, his mind clicked off. He wasn't listening anymore. He was planning on what he was going to say. So we must, we must listen to all the parts. If we truly want to be good listeners, in the New Testament, the, if, if the Pharisees if the Pharisees hadn't just clicked off when they heard the things about themselves if they hadn't immediately started to, to think of, what, what am I going to say? How am I going to get him back? How am I going to do something about this? But they had listened and truly opened their hearts. What kind of difference would it have made? We must listen to the first and we must listen to the last. Another thing to, to think about is to look at the speaker. Now, again, these are these are steps to, to better listening, but they don't come from the Bible. This is just some, some things that are that are Proven to be effective, to help people who want to listen to get the most out of, out of a message. And this is one that greatly can aid concentration. Looking elsewhere, looking around the room, looking at other things at our feet, that makes it easy to, to wander, to think about other things, to not focus on what is being said. Closing our eyes. Well, that makes it easy for me to nod off. You catch me with my eyes closed, I'm probably asleep. But having our eyes open, looking at, at, at who is presenting, or or even looking at the the the, the aids that are on the te- on that are presented here, the PowerPoint, they can help to focus. They can help to be attentive, and this requires self discipline because this is something that's awkward. You you have a conver- next time you're having a conversation after services are over, just look the person in the eye the entire time that you're talking to them. It gets a little awkward after a while. It's not the most comfortable thing in the world to do, so it requires some self discipline. But it is. It is helpful to developing a longer attention span. It is helpful to, to being able to take more away from what is being said. A more much more important point than that is follow along in your Bible. You remember you remember more of what you both see and hear, not just hearing alone but just see, but seeing in here. And again, that's why visual aids are, are often used. that's why I pre- prepared the PowerPoint to help you remember things that have been m- noticed but the greatest visual aid that you have is not up here. The greatest visual aid you have is your Bible, is the word of God setting in your lap. Your knowledge of the scriptures can be greatly improved by just doing this, opening it and following along and looking at the words spoken. And sometimes it's hard to keep up. And I try, I, I try to, to think of that as I Put scriptures on the board just in case you didn't didn't hear me or, or, or take a little bit of time to flip there and try to turn there myself so we can all be on the same page. But you know what? If you persevere, if you continue to say, no, I, I've, got to, I've got to find I want to look in God's word. I want to see it for myself. It eventually becomes easier. And, you know, we encourage our children to do this. Many of us here, uh, we, ha- we have the worship notes in the back and we tell our kids to uh, go grab one of those and, and take some notes down. Think about some things. Uh, write uh, one of the things i think is on there draw a picture of of what you you visualized as we were as the sermon was being taught listen to how many times you heard god's uh, name used or or the gospel or, or, or grace now we encourage our kids to do that but shouldn't adults provide an example and do the same in fact, there's no reason why, yes, those worship notes are, are created for kids, but there's no reason why we couldn't grab one of those ourselves and show them how important this is to good listening, is to following along in our Bible, jotting down notes. If we can't get to all the passages, we're going to write them down and we're going to look at them again when we get home. This helps us to assist and can benefit our listening. And then we also need to, and these, those, those four are, are good good things to help us being a better listener. But these last two, these are the two that I really want you to think about. This first one is listen with faith. Listen with a willingness to accept and to believe what is shown in God's Word. Don't listen to my words in faith. Don't put your faith in my words because I'm going to stumble. I'm going to slip my tongue up and it's going to, what was he talking about? I'm going to be wrong sometimes. But God's Word is never wrong. So listen in faith. How do we do that? We do it by listening with a willingness to accept, a willingness to believe. Over in the, in the Hebrew, in the book of Hebrews, the, the writer there talks about the, the Israelites in Hebrews chapter 4. Well, in chapter 3, he's talking about the Israelites and about those who died in the wilderness. But in chapters 4, in chapter 4, 1 through 2, he says, Therefore, let us fear. If while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, if we had a good news preached to us, just as they also, but the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard it. The the word they heard in the wilderness was that God has prepared a place for you. The word they heard in the wilderness was God has made a place that will be your inheritance, that you will be with Him. He will rule as your King. You will be there for eternity, forever and ever, they were told. That sounds very similar to the word that we have been told, that there is a place of rest, That there's a place prepared for us. That there's a place where God will be our king. That we will be with him forever and ever. And the word that they heard was not united in faith. They heard that word spoken to them over and over again as they walked through the wilderness. And yet, they, they did not hear it. They did not listen to that word with a willingness to accept it. A willingness to believe it. If we don't listen with faith, the same sort of thing will happen to us. We will fall short of our heavenly rest. So we want to be better listeners. Let's, uh, let's unite our listening with faith in God's word. When we hear it, even if it goes against it goes against what the world has said, it goes against what we want, what we desire, if we hear it in God's word, we're going to believe it. What's that phrase that, that uh, I saw it the other day on a bumper sticker? Uh, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Robert Speer in Winchester, he used to always modify it. He said, I, I want that to say, God said it, that settles it, I believe it. We need to have that same sort of attitude towards with our listening. Listen with faith and listen to act. Turn over to Ezekiel for a moment. Sometimes we can be like the people in Ezekiel. Sometimes we can have the attitudes of the people of Ezekiel. <clears throat> in Ezekiel chapter 33, read with me in verses 30 through 32. But as for you, son of man, your fellow citizens who talk about you by the walls and the doors of the houses, speak to one another, each to his brother saying, come now and hear what the message is which comes forth from the Lord. Man, that's, that's a good word. I want to be described as that. That's what these people were saying. They're saying, you come. Go into their neighbors. You come. Listen. Listen to what God has to say. Listen to the word of the Lord. As we read on, they come to you as people come and sit before you as my people and hear your words But they do not do them for they do the lustful desires expressed by their mouth and their heart goes after their gain. Behold, you are to them like a sensual song by one who has a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument for they hear your words, but they do not practice them. And then so when it comes to pass the things that he had prophesied, when it comes to pass, surely they will know, Uh, surely, as surely it will. Then they will know that a prophet has been in their midst. They loved to hear what Ezekiel had to say. They did. They loved it. They wouldn't tell other people, you come listen to this guy. Come listen to what he has to say, but it was for the wrong reasons. And so maybe we need to ask ourselves, why, did, why is it that we love the sermons that, that we love? Why do we love to hear those sermons? Is it because of how great the preacher speaks? Obviously, that's not the problem here. That's not a problem that we have to deal with. But for some reason, we, uh, for, or for some it might be that it makes me feel good. To, to, to go to church and for other people to know that I go to church, to be able to tell people, hey, you come to church with me. That makes me feel really good. Maybe it's the, the, the look of other people as they say, oh, that, that person's a churchgoer. That person does something that, that the rest of the world doesn't do. They, they are, they're a good, faithful person. I'm not saying those things are wrong, but is that the reason we love to hear the Word of God? James chapter 1 puts it in a little bit different context for us. James chapter 1 tells us, what, what, what needs to be the, the response? What needs to be the motivating factor behind us hearing the word? In James chapter one, verse 22, it says, prove yourself doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. If anyone is a hearer of the word is not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. Uh, for once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who is intently Uh, But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become forgetful hearers, but effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. The same thing that God was pointing out to Ezekiel, the same thing that James points out to us today, is that we need to be good listeners. And to be a better listener, we need to do what we hear. Not Not just to hear the words and go, man, that makes me feel really good. I like that. I like what was said, but to actually do it. Truly good measure, or listeners are measured by being good doers. I've joked with other preachers before, uh, especially, especially younger preachers, and, and said that phrase that you're going to hear at the end of the service, and never discount the phrase, but that phrase you're going to hear sometimes. Someone will come to you and say, man, good sermon today. Shake your hand. Great sermon today. Great job. I've joked with them and said, you know, that's, that, that phrase is worth just about as much as you pay for it. And that's not to say that I don't appreciate hearing it. Of course I do, but the fact is to truly show the benefit, the value of the sermon, the benefit and the value of God's message is to not commend the speaker. To show the value, it's to put the, the message into action in our lives. We need to listen so as to act and to listen with faith, to be blessed in what we do, That is my goal in presenting these messages and presenting these thoughts on listening. And so that when we move forward, the Lake Street Church of Christ is blessed in all things because we have heard and we have listened and we have become fruitful. And it all begins with listening in the proper way. How important then is listening? Let me give you these thoughts and we'll conclude. Isaiah 55 verses two through three says, why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me, listen that you may live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies shown to David. When it comes to listening to God, it is very, very important. It is essential for what is good for our souls. And is there a time when God does not listen? Yes, Isaiah does say that. He says that that God does not listen when sin comes between us and between him. When there's sin between us and God, Isaiah 59 verses one and two says that he does not listen, he does not hear us. But Isaiah 55 verses six through seven takes care of that problem. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Today, that mercy is offered through Jesus Christ, God's Son. And you know what God has said about him? In Luke 9, verse 35, he says this, This is my Son, my chosen one. Listen to him. This morning, the opportunity is yours to hear what God's Word says. Romans ten seventeen, we read, It tells us that faith comes through hearing. Romans 10.10 tells us that confession based upon faith brings salvation. And Acts 2 verse 38 says it's repentance and baptism that forgives us of our sins. So my question for you this morning is have you obeyed his word? Or would maybe the following cry of Jesus apply to you in Luke chapter 6 verse 46 when he said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Is it because we are not good listeners? If there is some way in which we can help you this morning in coming to Jesus and following him today, whether it be taking those first steps in submission or whether it be having, having taken those steps but walking a life that you know shows you haven't been listening to his word, won't you please come forward right now and stand as we sing.